And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. On today's episode of the Glue Guys, Alex Schiffer of the Athletic Brooklyn Nets reporter will be here to preview Brooklyn Nets Media Day and voicemails, emails, snail mail. Whoa. We got it all for you today. We're fired up on today's show, Brian. Gonna oh, did say I say anything? <laughs> Usually, like, <laughs> I just I gestured to the camera. It's for the YouTube audience. Welcome back to the Glue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Check us out on Glue Guys. <laughs> Check us out on Twitter at BK Glue Guys. Netsdaily.com. The Athletic. Get yourself behind the paywall at theathletic.com slash Glue Guys. A subsidiary mm. of the New York Times. Ryan. Michael, let's get into the news. Yeah. Big breaking news. Hey. Huge news today. Just What's kidding. the news? There is no news. There hasn't Robert been news. Sarver? <laughs> there hasn't been news. Do our Robert Sarver takes? I got some takes. I got hot takes. Tell me. I'm red pilled. I'm server pilled. Just kidding. Do you do you think he's unfairly I love I don't I love that he puts in that he's a man of atonement or a man of uh of religion. I love that thing. Hey, Brooklyn Nets, Brian. How how are you? When was the last time you watched the film Atonement with uh Kira Every Knightley? day I watch it every day. Kira Knightley? Like Kira Knightley? Yeah. Um other British people. People have been sadly pe- at cameras. Already I like when when we start off with a dumb movie reference because already people know what we're about. Okay. So for all the people that, <laughs> you know, leave us iTunes reviews being like, you don't talk about enough basketball, it's like, buckle up, because we're talking atonement in the first thirty uh, seconds. Yeah, I've never seen it. Hey, Brian, we have a fun show today. We have uh Alex Schiffer of The Athletic is oh. gonna pop in and join us at some point. Great. But first, we have delicious and tasty voice messages if you want to be a part of the show it is so easy one you could just email at netspod at gmail.com but that's so that's so 2017 we're all advanced tech people we're on the cutting edge of technology just send us a quick voice message record a voice message on voice memos on your iphone and email it to us netspod at gmail.com and we'll play it on the show yeah there it is exactly like um sure boy sure boy (laughs) wait oh who is it? I don't know who you're looking at. Is it Ronald Kaplan? Let's start with Ronnie Cap. Big, big Ron, Ron, Cap, Cap. Let's do it. Blue Cap, Red Cap, Ron Cap. Hey, Glue guys. This is Ron, a fan of the show. Uh, you were talking about mascots the other day mm. and made me think of a funny story. So I used to have season tickets in the 80s and the 90s, and uh. they had a mascot called Duncan mm-hmm. and it was a total copycat of the the Philly fanatic. Do you remember I Duncan? I think the Phillies actually might have stopped yeah. that's from allowing Duncan to be uh, their mascot. So they changed the mascot one year to Super Dunk. Mm-hmm. And 
I was at a game one day, and there was a guy who was sitting next to me who was harassing Super Dunk all game, screaming at him. And remember, at that time, there was only a few thousand people in the arena. You know, you suck, Super Dunk. Bring back Duncan. <laughs> and finally, after getting harassed for four quarters, the guy who it was, girl, whoever it was, uh, I think it was a guy. Progressive. Who, uh, comes up to our section right up to us and goes hey you idiot don't you know it's the same guy under the costume thought that was a funny i wanted to share a uh, little anecdote i love that thanks guys ron what that, a blessing ron. that uh voicemail was do you remember all those mascots Brian? i and and this is something i've talked about too is the transition from duncan to super dunk duncan if I don't even know that there's like a ton of pictures on the internet. There may not be very many at all. That was pre-photography actually back then. And there, there is one that uh, UK Nets fans account had tweeted out. I can retweet it. it they tweeted it out three years ago because yeah. I looked it up. Duncan the dragon. Yeah. Well, I thought it was, is it a dragon? That's what, if you Google the webs, that's okay. what the webs develop. Um, My memory of it is it's like, it's like an anteater slash aardvark kind of something like, creature there's definitely an aardvark an aardvark slept with an anteater yeah. who then was vikinged by okay because you know how we all have viking blood in us because there were some bad vikings back in the day <laughs> don't get me started on vikings okay I can, I'll, I'll go Start. off i'm this is an episode yeah. <laughs> to begin on viking vikings i'll tweet out the um Duncan. but yeah that's great and i think he, he perfectly distilled the environment of those like say like the early 1990s nets games which was just a heckler's haven mike it was <laughs> it was a real because it was the you know the old continental airlines then the Midlands um was just a cavernous arena and nobody was there and your voice you could talk you could in perfect acoustics hear from the other side of the you could just have a conversation right across the floor and so people would just absolutely berate players and mascots alike it was good it was a great environment yeah those were the days when like we had no moral backing like our chance our yelling everyone was in on the fact that like you could totally dress down a mascot who was getting paid ten dollars a, a, a game yeah to like Derek Coleman like everyone was fair game yeah totally no one's the, feelings the good, got the hurt good old days. Days. yeah don't get me started <laughs> these SAJ, SJW players anyways Marriott's. The, <laughs> the SJW Marriott yeah. what a great um next up cheer boy who is it give me it I don't know who it is John it's it's weird because it's coming in low for me. I can barely hear that. But it's Josh. Hey, it's Josh. He's right. doing the thing. All right, Josh, coming up. Fellas, how's it going? Josh here. I'd recently sent you a message for your last pod, but little did I know that was a party pod with you guys getting totally crunk. <laughs> I listened into that pod, and I'm not going to lie. It made me particularly thirsty that day, <laughs> but I digress. I wanted I digress. to relay the message I sent over last time. Call me crazy, but I'm kind of optimistic about this upcoming season. Mm. The reason is because the whole organization has a common theme between players and front office alike. And that common theme is that they all have a chip on their shoulder. I really do feel this shared element will bind the team together. KD looked like a shell of himself versus the Celtics. Chip on his shoulder. Got that chip. Kyrie, value clearly plummeted, and he's trying to get a nice contract next summer. Chip on his shoulder. Mm -hmm. Simmons. Pretty self-explanatory, eh? Nash, no one is a fan of him. Big chip on his shoulder. Harris, still never redeemed himself from that poor playoff showing a couple years ago. Chip on his shoulder. <laughs> Joe Sy, 
Sure, he won the battles with Kyrie and KD this offseason. But Ness looks like a total shit show Multi-billionaire, right getting that Biggest chip. chip on his shoulder. Let's go. The list goes on. This team has talent, but it had no continuity, no chemistry last year. I think this shared element by the team will boost their chemistry. I mean, hey, I've been wrong before, but I hope I'm not now. Josh out. Josh, I don't, I don't. I actually can't confirm if you've been wrong before because you sound yeah. like a man of confidence. <clears throat> you really I do. The ten out of ten cadence on on the reading of. I assume it's read. It's written down somewhere. Maybe not. Maybe that's just the way Josh speaks. Just off the dome. Yeah, He's just I don't a, want to a natural orator. Um, <laughs> is this the chip on the shoulder season, Brian? Are there mold? Is this the Tostitos chippy? Should we be ordering queso and guac? Mm. A little salsa, a little chip and dip. Um, I think it is, Not but I also it. I will say is a is a chip on the shoulder enough to um to, to motivate this team to actually succeed, you know? Because like uh, chips on the shoulder. Oh, here comes Alex Sheffer. Alex, there's Alex Sheffer. Alex, we're live. Oh, we're live. Recording in progress. <laughs> I can't tell if I'm being lied to or not. No, you, we, we, we just started the pod. So you're in it now. This is exciting for the audience. Alex, you're alive in the pod. Are you excited about not knowing that that was going to happen? Uh, I mean, you, you dick around with me so much. I don't know what to. Uh... Whoa, you come on this show <laughs> and you're going to throw around these. Uh, I'm going to talk to I'm going to talk to the head of the New York Times. I'm going to about your your language. Alex, how are you? I'm good. How are you? That chocolate milk you drinking? Yeah, that was a. Is that a chai latte? What do you got? Yeah, it's a latte. It's a two shot espresso. Nice. A hefty amount of skim milk in there. I'm on Weight Watchers, so uh, <laughs> is that true? Is like a, actual Weight Watchers? Zero, yeah, yeah, I know. What <laughs> yeah. am I? Yeah, Ricky Lake. Um, <laughs> Alex Schiffer, do you know who Ricky Lake is? I do not. Yeah, there's no chance that you do. The, the um, guess I want to take. I don't want to take while we're on live. Oh yeah, it doesn't sound can, accurate. Wait, who do you think of? Who are you thinking of? He's thinking of an adult actress. I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like a Susan Sarandon, an adult actress. Um, <laughs> so, Doesn't that sound like that kind of name? It though? does. I mean, yeah, Ricky absolutely does. And shout out to all the Rickies out there. No, no disrespect, but you know, Ricky don't lose that number. You know, <laughs> nice. Um, Ricky Kleiman mm. married to former NYP commissioner, Ben, Ben Bratton. Anyways, Jesus. I know. Yeah. Um, Schiffer, what we were just talking about, Okay, one of our one of our listeners emailed in uh, a voice message about how this is the chip on the shoulder season. Katie, Kyrie, Ben Simmons, even Joe Sai has a has a chip on his own shoulder, his supple billionaire shoulders. Um, do you th- does this team deserve to have any chips on their shoulder? Because I actually think, if I'm going to be honest, I think all those are self inflicted wounds. <laughs> like they all created their own mm. tornadoes, their own chips. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's funny. So the the day that the what are we calling it? The day that Kevin Durant rescinded his trade request or the the moving forward press release came out. Um, I got a call from someone not Rich Kleiman, not directly associated with the the organization. I'll say uh, they were drinking wine, mm. and uh, this person said to me, "Alex, the we're going to win this." The guy who just died. No, Ricky Lake called me there. You happy, Mike? So I said, uh, he goes, Alex, we're going to win this year. I said, what makes you say that? And he goes, the way he put it, similar to the chip on the shoulder, he said, everybody important has a fire lit under their ass like never before. Mm. Right. Kyrie doesn't have a long-term contract ahead of him. Nike might not be renewing him. 
Uh, Steve Nash is on the hot seat. So there's your fire ass metaphor already. Um, he just kind of went down the line. And I, I think that there's some legs there. But I also think, as you said, that a lot of this is self-inflicted and the the motivations don't all kind of stem from the same thing. You know what I mean? They're all they're all kind of all over the board a little bit. And that's and that's Did, a task I would put to Nash. Make it about one thing. Make it about the Celtic sweep. Just pick pick one thing and make it about that. Yeah. Well, it's like how college football teams have like the last time they played a team on loop mm-hmm. the whole in the weight room and everything. Like you just walk around Sunset Park and you just see the Celtic series everywhere. Yeah. Does does Steve Nash have the ability to have a fire under his tuchus? Is he like aluminum foil where he does not retain heat? Because I haven't seen that guy like actually pressed about anything in terms of coaching this team. I mean, it's part of what makes him, I guess, a fine coach is that he's not like he's not Lionel Hollins, right? He's not going to just like start yelling at the team for no reason, but. I also don't – he doesn't seem to be super pressurized. Yeah. No, the, the Lionel Hollins reference is funny because, you know, something that I've always – I kind of like this about Steve dealing with him on a daily basis, but you think of all the crazy stuff that he's seen and dealt with as the coach. If he had a press conference where he just kind of teed off on us or, like, let his feelings out, I don't think anyone would blame him, but he just kind of stays in that, you know – cruise control mode when when facing the public and there's a couple times like i've walked out of press conferences with brian lewis the new york post and he'll say to me go you know alex lionel hollins would have screamed at you for that question i'm like but it's a fair question like doesn't matter he just would have screamed at you over that so uh i uh i I definitely think that steve kind of comes off like um you ever see the day the earth stood still like keanu reeves character you know how he's just like this like no what no, I, mean, I think I did like 15 years ago. Yeah, I think. I How is that now. the film that you pick? Is that? I, I was trying to think of like Alex. a. Oh no! Oh, I'm thinking of a different one. I'm thinking of the one with Jake Gyllenhaal. Sorry, what's the? I know what the one you're talking. Oh, about. oh, the yeah. day after tomorrow. The day after tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a, a great yeah. movie. Yeah. I love that movie because he's in a library. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Um, <laughs> what? Wait, the day the Earth stood still is what? Okay, to finish your analogy, but. We're going to find a better one by the end of this pod. Well, Keanu Reeves' character is like this guy from another planet, but like he's just kind of like he doesn't really show emotion. Um, all right. I'll try or another. any Keanu Reeves okay, part. I've, to, to bring up one of <laughs> Kyrie and Spencer Dinwiddie's favorite shows, have you seen Avatar The Last Airbender? <laughs> I'm like going all over the board. I know. I know. I'm trying to make this work, but like, it seems like I can't just take the con- – the, the, the- I, I think the Keanu Reeves thing works. I think that that checks out. All right. So, yeah. Story. So I hate I know you right now, no, Mike. No, I, I know, hate you. I know Avatar The Last Airbender is an important thing to your generation. Yeah. Like, like Raven Simone and iCarly. <laughs> that's stop. Uh, but so Keanu Reeves' character is like this emotionless guy who like comes from another planet. Like – Steve Nash kind of reminds me of that when dealing with us and that like he just no matter what the circumstances like he just does not crack. And and as you said, show like the guy that as an MVP, right, broke his nose on the court and put it back in place, went from one scholarship offer out of college to a Hall of Famer. Um, there's like two there's two different demeanors, it seems like. Yeah. And, and all you like th- that is a positive about him on this team. Um, I oh, will some say rabbit like, hole we just went down. Yeah. yeah Continue. Yeah. If you if you actually look at the the span of what of the great coaches in NBA history, having um, sort of a stable demeanor isn't as valued as we like to believe. Mm-hmm. Like Pat Riley, 
as great of a mastermind as he is, wasn't emotionless, right? Um, Phil Jackson was the like the opposite. Like Phil Jackson would actively throw his players under the bus. Now I think Phil Jackson, if he acted the same way, wouldn't work ultimately as well as in the that day and age of basketball as he would now. Like obviously, when his time with the Knicks, he still treated players like Carmelo, like he treated Jordan and Pippen, and it didn't work out. But obviously, Carmelo is different than Jordan and Pippen. Um, Steve Nash, it is a value to be um, sort of down the middle, but like. I kind of Brian and I would joke about this. Um, it, there's like games where like basketball coaches will uh, yell at the refs to get texts or get thrown out in the sense of like to motivate the team. And Steve like doesn't even like he doesn't even do that. Um, and I, I do like I'm just kind of an anti Steve Nash if I'm going to be uh, very clear. And I need to I do I want a little pressing this year. Like, I don't know if the total hands-off country club tennis coach vibe that he has is is what this team ultimately... I don't think they need, a uh, like, a, a a real firm hand as a coach. They don't need, a, like, a lieutenant in the army. What's the guy from uh, the Kubrick movie about Vietnam? Never seen it, never heard <laughs> of it. Full Metal Jacket. The, oh. the, the name of the lieutenant, that's your you're talking yeah. about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Another film, of the drill great surgeon. film reference again. Uh, but that one I do need to see. Do, but do you think, honestly, can this off season really the big picture, the off season of discontent with everyone on the nets? Is there any chance that that be, does become a rallying cry, Alex? Like, is there? We talk about Lance last dance mentality. The world is against us. Nobody believes in us. Does this team even have necessarily that? In them, can they can they coalesce around the one singular thought of like we are the villains of the NBA and we don't give you know we don't care right or do you not think that's what this team is made up of the type of players on this team? I mean, two things as I said to you on the phone earlier today, I hate the whole last dance idea with this team because there's never really been a first dance. Mm. But uh, you know, didn't they have the villains mantra? I mean, Steve Nash's first season when they were taking all this heat for getting Blake Griffin, Lamarcus Aldridge, well, and scary hours, scary hours, yeah. So really terrifying. Haven't we kind of seen that before? I mean, I, I think the biggest question, you know, if since you're going to report me to the head of the New York Times, I mean, if you call for someone's job, does the, I don't think Steve Nash is the kind of guy that's going to let the drama that comes with that interfere with his job. I think he would take the high road. But the question is, you're trying to get all the other guys now to to kind of leave that aside and and buy in. So I think it's possible, but I do think it's a tough position he's in of, of trying to have everybody forget everything that just happened, have a quick memory, and uh, and go about this. And again, like the other thing is that's kind of under the assumption that we're not going to see some of this drama reappear. You know what I mean? So does that change things from that? Like negotiation, I think I'd like to know a little bit more about what the bargaining chip was there. That seemed like maybe that's just post hoc rationalization from the climbing KD side that like we needed to get something in, in this negotiation. And it seems like there's like a, like rumors churning about what that could be, but there's not a whole lot of evidence. There is a new social media person running the Brooklyn Nets account. So maybe that could be it. There's that that person's (laughs) doing great work. (laughs) What if like, so Sham Sharani of the athletic, our colleague, Alex, Mm -hmm. um, he was the one to report the, the fact that KD 
wanted Steve Nash and Sean Marks fired. What if there was a third name that was just left out of that reporting, and it was the social media manager for the Brooklyn Nets? Yeah, and th- and then that was that was the end game. Well, and whoever that was, was <laughs> let go. I'm just and trying to a t- new Twitter account tie holder. this back into how you can kind of like save not save face, but come back and be like a leadership person in the locker room again, and be like, well. That negotiation, I needed to get this out of the out of the team, and that's why I did that. And if you can't answer what that thing was, then it's like, did you just always just want to get traded, or what was the whole reason for that that circle? This is some real inside baseball. But one of the Nets, the Nets, I believe, social media coordinator left in the middle of the season last year, and I forget if they ever replaced him full time by the end of the season. So maybe that spot was actually vacant. Wow! And it only recently filled. Yeah, yeah. Well, totally doing, quit the job. They've been it doing was great too brutal. Work. It's, I mean, the engagement level is just way up. You know, it feels like they're speaking, speaking to the, to the streets, you know? Um, let's say we have one last question, and then we're going to take a quick break, and Alex, we're going to come back with, with more questions for you. But first, we're going to hear from... I don't know. Who? It's your boy, Ben Watson. Nice. Ben Watson. Hey, Mike and Brian. Just wondering how you feel about KD's time off this summer. He's the only net I haven't seen in the training center yet. And I know that his his manager just posted that he's in the training center finally. But, you know, everyone else seemed to have been there for weeks. And I get it, the guy, he needs some time to recover. But, you know, in the past, he's been hooping all summer. And this year, it just seems like he was playing other sports, doing whatever he wants, which is, you know, it's fine. But it's just, it doesn't feel like it fits his past career arc, you know. So I just feel like that's a little bit concerning. I really feel like he's not committed to playing hard for this team. Let me know. And I, I just want to say the audio file was labeled Kevin Durant pickleball. If we were all wondering, because <laughs> yeah, yeah. there's a video of Kevin Durant playing pickleball with Rich Kleiman. Yeah. Um, Alex, I'll ask you how how committed or do we know how committed Kevin Durant is again before he talks and all that stuff? You know, we don't know. To start off, and I guess this is a kind of a defense of Kevin Durant, but I think people forget how much basketball he played last year. I mean, he didn't have the year off. He went right from the Nets to the Olympics for Team USA and then went right into the, the following season. So if I were him, I would have taken a load off this summer too. I mean, it looked like he had a great time at the Travis Scott concert with uh, with James Harden in London right after asking for Steve Nash and Sean Mark's jobs. But uh, I don't really think the training facility thing is is that big of a deal because my whole argument, and I answered this in a mailbag last week, but, you know, you've seen some teams, and the Nets were even doing this in Los Angeles right before Kevin and Kyrie's first season of those gym workouts. And, you know, the Cleveland Cavaliers did that a bit with LeBron, right, if everyone gets together in the summer and plays together. I mean, that couldn't really happen anyway with all the drama that was going on with if Kevin gets traded or not anyway. So... I kind of feel like all of this, and to add to that, I don't necessarily think that's the make or break for a championship because so many other factors go into play. Like, what if they win the whole thing and you know, Milwaukee gets hurt again or something else? You know, there's just so many other factors that go into like winning a title. I don't really think that that's a uh, the end of the world. I do think it's a missed opportunity for a team that has already had continuity problems in recent years. But I don't. I haven't taken a ton of stock in the whole. Um, in the whole, he hasn't been the practice facility type stuff because he, he loves playing, and uh, and I don't really think this would have gotten resolved if he wasn't uh, going to suit up and and do what he usually does. So maybe I am just uh, 
You're carrying water for Kevin Durant. Yeah. We all yeah. Oh, yeah. My back You're is killing me right now. I feel like Ben Simmons and I, May. No, um, I, I agree with you, though. Like, also, my standards for engage levels of engagement are like way lowered coming in from last year. Just, you know, Kyrie coming in playing half a season at, you know, less. Um, Why was that again? Right. And so, and I mean, he was crushing it in pickup or, um, what do they call it? Flag football. Flag football. He was crushing the flag football in Paramus. Yep. So, and yep. he, and just Legendary. similarly, um, I feel like pickleball is a good way to get, I mean, that's how I get my heart rate up, you know? So it's not like, you know, it's not, not for nothing. playing pickleball? I played it once this summer. I did play one, one brief round and then my heart exploded and that was it. Um, <laughs> so I know, I know it's high, it's high rep kind of, um, exercise, but, uh, yeah, I agree with you. Like, I mean, of all the people, KD is like sort of like least of my concerns. I think maybe if I'm reading between the lines for, it was a Ben that it's like sort of the, the leadership element that's maybe the concerning part of it. Um, and I guess I could see that, but like you, 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 you know what you're going to get with leadership with Kevin Durant. It's like this pretty silent and, um, like cynical version of, of, <laughs> le- of leadership. Um, so I don't know that we, which is kind of an awkward position to be in, to be honest, in the composition of our team that, you know, none of those main guys sort of have that kind of prototypical, accountability leadership sort of style um i don't know maybe that's not even true of kevin durant maybe it is um but i kind of le- i think of it more of like is he just interested in the team generally speaking versus getting reps in in the gym yeah and to just add one more point since you kind of mentioned a little bit with ben simmons you know one of sean marks's comments in that season wrap-up press conference that kind of proved to be you know a lot of that's held up pretty well over time based on reality Sean Marks has said that one of like the goals for the summer was to have Ben in Brooklyn in the fact practice facility a lot, working out with his teammates, and that he seems to have been in the facility all summer. So I feel like that's another kind of win the Nets had in the offseason, aside from you know getting Kyrie to take the player option, getting Kevin back. Like a lot of the stuff that that they kind of outlined in May held up pretty well actually, and and went in their favor outside of the the whole ultimatum and everything. But but end result is what they were looking the for how they got there is a whole nother story yeah for some of that um let's do this quick break coming back more with alex schiffer of the athletic and brian egan oh of, of the glue guys of, of the this glue guys. looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondering. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Don- 
Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. And we're back. Alex Schiffer of The Athletic. Classic. Classic smelts. Ryan, your hair looks great today, by the way. Hey, right back at you, dude. We're, we're doing it. And I don't got I got I don't got what you're going you got right now. You could though. You could you just gotta get a dare to dream. Grow it out a little. Yeah. yeah. I'm I'm growing the beard out. I don't know if I don't know how you do it, man. It's uh I mean it's fugazi for me too. I got big patches. Yeah, we, yeah. We try. Is it Hey guys. Oh, oh he's back. Here? Did you hear all that? I didn't hear anything. Did you what did I miss anything? We just talked hair. Talked body and hair. Beards. Yeah. yeah. Beard. Oh, okay, good. Um, well, I didn't want to miss that Cute. conversation. Mostly it's the only pubes. conversation yeah. I care about. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> Nets Media Day is upcoming. Um, Whoop. Yeah. The the most anticipated NBA Media Day probably of all time. You know, it's the number one. It's I don't it's know. The, the Suns are going to be pretty interesting, too. Mm, true. The what are? The, the Suns. Suns are going to be pretty interesting, too. Oh, well, that's all. We don't, you know, we don't, we don't care anymore. Like, you know, he's going to sell, he's going to make $4 billion and everyone's going to be happy. But, um, Alex, a couple of questions directly to you. Okay. Great. You have a vial of truth serum. Okay. You can only give it to one person at that Nets media day. Sean Marks, Steve Nash, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons. Who are you injecting with truth serum Mm. so you can get? the absolute unvarnished truth out of them. Who's the person you most want to understand what was going on with them this off season? Um, so I can't like give certain doses to, okay. I only one thing <laughs> I would give it to Sean Marks just because he probably has the most complete set of events though. Right? Like Good he choice. can tell you, you know, he was the one dealing with Kyrie Irving with the contract stuff with Kevin and the trade stuff. Um, you know, outside of Joe Sy, he's had the most uh, bird's eye view of everything going on. So I feel like he would have the. I feel like I could get more from Sean speaking to every situation you just listed than just going all in on one guy and hoping that he also heard about the other situations too. Working smarter, not harder, Mike. I think that's a good idea because, because frankly, if you gave it to Kyrie, even on Truth Serum, who knows? You know. Who knows what part of his brain is going to be activated by the truth serum, and he could still not really tell the truth even under the serum. Um, I think I would go with Kevin Durant still, though, because the he, he, like so. Sean Marks is a great choice, but I think with Kevin Durant, it's like his excuse of like, "Hey, I want Sean Marks, Steve Nash fired. Now I don't. Now I just want boardroom watermarks on all Nets press releases." Like, we don't have an answer, ultimately, of why he wanted this trade. Was it because they didn't give Kyrie the extension? Or was it because Kyrie is still technically on the team? Was it because, oh, he hates Steve Nash and Sean Marks? Or is it just because of some other completely random reason? Was he just really upset for they fired the social media manager mid-last season? And that's that's really been burning a hole in his mind, right? I, I think I most would want to know what the hell was going on with Kevin Durant 
out of any of the the Nets particulars. Yes, Brian. Do you think if part of the Kevin Durant ultimatum was that like, can I run the Nets social media? Would the Nets <laughs> do it because of his insane track record on Twitter? You know, that's a big that's a big ask for that. That's a lot of brand safety. Do you remember when that was a big part of Twitter like seven years ago? Was like someone's going to take over. They're taking over the the Twitter account for this corporation or this oh, team. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, like Rondé Hollis Jefferson has yeah. the, the Nets Twitter account for <laughs> yeah, the day. Yeah, yeah. What's going to happen? Yeah. Right? And nothing. It was just like he would like messages and he would say, yeah, that's right. Like things like that. Yeah. Um, it would actually be great if the Nets Twitter account took on the personality of Kevin Durant and just like really went at people. Yeah. Just co- continuously just went at sniping people. Sniping back at the gutter snipers, you know? And, and really making people think. Um, <laughs> do, do you, Alex, think we're going to get so, – I'm not going to say true clarity, but somewhat clarity on what happened this summer. Not with Ky- – because like Kyrie's situation was what it was. I think the team didn't want to give him an extension. He looked around for a place to get that – to get a big contract. He did not get it, so he came back to the Nets for one year. But for Kevin Durant – do you expect any amount of clarity? He's had a lot of time to think about what he's going to say at media day. Do you anticipate getting any amount of truth from him? It's a good question. You know, I feel like the theme of this whole offseason has been kind of what Amari Stoudemire hinted at on ESPN in May or June of resetting the power dynamic. And so I don't necessarily expect a player you know, Kyrie or Kevin, I mean, to w- go up there and say, I stopped getting my way. You know what I mean? So, like, I uh, I don't expect that. But I, I you know, I, the how he answers, like, you know, the, the, the reports where you lost faith in the direction the organization was going or however it was worded. Like, how did you kind of come to that? Um, how did you kind of come to that conclusion? You know, th- that's going to be an interesting question to me because, again, like, he had a lot of say in a lot of things, you know, all up until this offseason. Then that changed. And uh, and then we saw what happened. So I don't really expect. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm not even speaking about Kevin Durant. I feel like I'm speaking to the world in general. Like people generally don't like to admit when they're wrong or, or, or caught in the wrong, et cetera. So I'm not expecting like a full confessional, but like how he kind of answers some of the things that, you know, were, to me, the real reasons, if you read between the lines, will will be interesting. Because, again, like, I don't, like, and again, would any of us want to sit in front of a podium full of a bunch of reporters and say, like, yeah, you know, I, uh, I've, I've gotten everything I've wanted since I came here, and now uh, now that's changed? Um, I, I think it's plenty, I think it's easy for uh, us or for fans to say, um, oh, yeah, totally. But, again, I, I think I think you kind of see what people are made of in those in those times you know it's like a shifting of accountability so that's why i'm curious to see how he handles some of those questions more than anything else because as you said like that's kind of the heart of the matter but i feel like again based on what amari stoudemire said how everything played out since we kind of know what what happened and why from a general uh on a general level brian what would throw you most as a longtime nets fan if on monday for nets media day it was an absolute dumpster's fire with quotes <laughs> flying back and forth. Or it was boring. Yeah. It was just like no one says anything of interest. It was just very like KD does the thing where he comes out and they he, people like Alex Schiffer, the pawns, as Kyrie would call them, yeah. uh, the media comes out and asks Kevin Durant certain things. And he's like, 
you know, oh, that was the off season. I was feeling one way. Everything's fine. Everything's kumbaya. Um, what would thrill you more? What would make you feel better? Dumpster fire with mud slinging quotes or just boring? <laughs> and then you're like, well, we were, where's the fun? Where's the fun? Yeah, I mean, like, there's two parts of me. Like, me, the podcaster, you know, I like I like a dumpster fire, good old-fashioned DF. Yeah. Um, but 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 uh, me, the Nets fan, you know, I, I'm hoping that, that that new leaf is real. I'm also thinking about what you just said, Alex, and, like, the the sort of resting. If, if part of what was negotiated is, like, resting of control of decision-making back from KD. And, like, everyone kind of assumes that a lot of, like, the Blake Griffin and Marcus Aldridge stuff was, like, attributed to the win-now mentality of a player-led managerial style and i'm thinking about this markeith morris uh signing um combined with you know some of the other like offseason the, the royce o'neill tj warren side of it and it's and we talked about this on a previous episode but the sort of one for me one for you kind of uh, strategy that's maybe being deployed um as a way to both acknowledge the, the the desires of the star players if that is a desire it seems like that was part of what kd wanted was people like markeith morris um so like you know, but by, by from my ten thousand mile view, it it seems more kumbaya than not at this point. Of course, that's you know easy to say September October, um, and and where that's headed, we don't know. But yeah, I guess to answer your question, podcaster me wants wants mud swinging, Nets fan me wants wants just status quo, just some stasis, homeostasis, some nice. We're here for the long run type language, you know that kind of stuff. This is for both of you, and I'll start with Brian oh, okay. on this one. Are we are we trying are we caring too much about media day? Like we 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 think like going into it again to talk about the mudslinging versus the this the status quo. Yeah. Like we like ultimately we know what we're going to get. Like we know it's probably not going to live up to the hype. Yeah. We're not going to get a, an episode of Real Housewives Sunset Park. We're going to get very sort of normal all these guys have been interviewed for years and years and years they all know how to dodge questions when they want to not if intrepid reporter alex schiffer has anything to do with it he's yeah i'm like i'm like a brick wall you can't get through me yeah Yeah. um like ultimately it's one day on the calendar that's a month away from games actually being played is there any level of consequence from media day like it, it, there's almost like nothing that could happen besides Kyrie coming out and saying, I'm actually going to sit up the season because government workers are, are being made to be vaccinated. And I'm very mad about that. Like yeah. besides those <clears throat> elements, ultimately this is something that's fun to talk about for like a week. And then it's not, it probably won't matter, you know, three weeks from now or whatever. Is, do you think that's accurate? Alex Schiffer. Oh, Jesus. I'm prepped. Gosh. <laughs> Go ahead, Brian, if no. you want. <laughs> no, please. You know, it's it's tough for me to answer because I feel like, as you said, you know, the news cycle is constant. And if Kevin Durant sprains his pinky the day after media day, the first day of training camp, all of a sudden everything that happened uh, yesterday gets drowned out. Now it's like, will he be ready for the preseason opener or whatever, right? So I don't – you know, it's funny. Like when you ask me what's happened on Nets media days in my time on the beat, like – the first two things I think of are David Letterman sitting behind me last year mm-hmm. and uh, and the year before um, Kevin getting asked about the James Harden train rumors and kind of saying how, um, how you know, that wasn't me. I don't know where that came from. And then a few weeks later, it's reality. So, you know, I, I feel like as a reporter and 
so you know, I, I could be looking back toward media day for stuff for my job, but I think big picture, yeah, there's going to be a ton of stuff to probably come out of Monday. Still, maybe not what expectations are, but stuff will be said regardless. And then, you know, then the attention turns to training camp and the preseason games and what's Ben Simmons going to look like and where's he going to play. And I, I definitely think that, you know, I don't, I don't think we'll be talking in April or May, depending upon what happens with the season or beyond. And one of us is saying, this is assuming I'm on the podcast, by the way, given how rare this is, but one of us is going to be saying, no, no. Remember media day? Remember media day? Like, I don't really see that happening. So I, I agree. Like, I think stuff will be said I, I, to me, the biggest thing, cause like, and again, I, this is different cause of my job, but like, Steve Nash's credibility to me is like the stock market, right? During the season, it's an everyday thing. We're talking to him and how what he tells us holds up, et cetera. Uh, Sean Marks is maybe more like the Fed where Jerome Powell comes out every few months and talks about interest rates. Um, um, wow. That's a metaphor. Wow. That's a metaphor. Let's go. A Fed, so, yeah, a Fed so, joke. Let's go. So, um, so how, Hey, how many podcasts have a Jerome Powell reference? Huh? Probably How the many? WSJs. Mm. But anyway, so given though what they right. like, given what they said on in May and how that held up for the summer, right? Sean Marks was non-committal about in that press conference about offering Kyrie a long-term deal. Look at how that played out. Um, I'd mentioned the Ben Simmons getting the gym thing. You know, Kevin will be in the loop on decisions or won't or Kevin won't be surprised, he'll have a heads up, you know, et cetera. So I'm kind of curious to see what the thesis statement is and what's said on Monday and how it holds up over the course of the next few months, just given how recent events show that there was a lot of foreshadowing in that last press conference. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. hundred percent. My big concern is yours, Brian. Well, this is, I was just going to meme on it and having been to one of these in the past with Mike, uh, my, my main concern is that the reporters and the scrum stretch out those rotator cuffs. Okay. Because the way that you have to crane your, your microphone in, in the scrum is do some downward F dogs limber. Up. I'm, go- I'm going to the gym tonight, man. Why do you Big. think, I, why do you think that is? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's shoulder day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I am uh, totally thrilled about media day, but also I'm going to be massively uh, disappointed because we're not going to get the mudslinging that we need. Um, I, what, what non Kyrie KD Ben Simmons net do you most want to talk to Alex? Uh, good question. I would say Joe Harris, because he proved to be, you know, to, to me, the arc of Joe Harris is kind of, um, it's like a good case study for fandom in a way, you know, Joe resigns with the team. What was that? Summer 2020 or all season 2020. Yeah. Yeah, 2020. Um, everyone's like, we need him. Thank God. Let's go. You know, the first season of KD Kyrie happens. Joe was maybe the most reliable rotation player the whole year. Um, then he plays like crap against the Bucks in the playoffs. And some of my mentions were people saying he needs to get traded, even though there were injuries to Kyrie and James. He comes back the next year, is lighting the world on fire from behind the arc, strains his ankle, and then you see how badly he was needed from the floor spacing perspective. Um, given the non-shooter heavy lineups they had with Bruce Brown, Javon Carter, DeAndre Bembry, Nick Claxton, et cetera. So I feel like the shooting they have this year with Patty Mills, Joe, and Seth Curry as supplements to Kevin, Kyrie, and Ben. You know, the, I don't know if you're in our Slack channel, Mike, because you didn't respond to my ask, but it, it, John Krasinski, our Timberwolves writer, said that it, it's similar to uh, the Miami Heat with LeBron, D. Wade, and Bosch having Ray Allen, 
Mike Miller and uh, Shane Battier. So I, I'm interested. I saw from- that question. I was just going to make some terrible joke, but I, well, I then thanks for not answering. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. But uh, but I'm interested to hear from Joe Harris. This is the longest tenured player on the team, and, and kind of watching all this from afar. But also like you know, given how badly he was needed last year, and and kind of him being the last relic from the the Kenny Atkinson days in a way. Um, just what he's kind of made of all this since, you know, kind of seeing the before and after before Kevin and Kyrie came and now everything that's unfolded since, um, I guess he's, he's someone I'd like to talk to. And then, uh, I'm trying to think who, and then honestly, kind of Nick Claxton or Dayron Sharp, just given the minute load they're looking at right now as as we sit here with, with them as the only two centers on the roster. Um, last question. I'll leave it up to Brian. Um, this is a vaccine question. You ready for this? All you, Brian. All you, man. I believe my, in you. My specialty. Lay it on me. Toronto, uh, Canada is no longer checking checking for vaccine requirements at the border, so Kyrie can play in Toronto. Mm-hmm. The the city is stripping away even more private employer mandates. Blah blah blah. Okay. But Kyrie is tweeting out things about vaccination status and how the pandemic and vaccines are like the worst human rights, blah, 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 and like mm. history of the world type stuff. Um, please tell me we're not going to have to care about COVID and vaccines that much this season, or, or should I continue to guard myself and guard my heart? Do you think, because like, honestly, when he tweeted that out, when Kyrie tweeted out, essentially yeah. it was like, I am upset that anyone is being forced to still be vaccinated my brothers and sisters who are being forced to be vaccinated. This is the worst like human rights violation in the history of the world, or one of the worst. Um, I was like, oh shit, is he actually gonna is he gonna like gonna carry the you torch. Know, not play? <laughs> not play for you know, a- as a sign of protest. Mm. Um so do you do you predict any vaccine issues that I'm gonna have to care about this season? Well, your level of caring is I think pretty unique in this regard. You've got you've got your finger on the pulse of even the smallest local jurisdictions um, <laughs> policies. So I think you can, I think you can relieve yourself of that duty. Probably. Um, sure. That's my, that's just, that's just on a personal level. Let's just set yourself free. You know, although you do, I mean, you love local papers, so that's a passion of yours. The papes. The yeah. papes. Yeah. Your, your rags. Um, yeah. I mean, it is disconcerting. And you know, the fact that he continues to step on rakes with the Alex Jones stuff is like, Obviously, that's just it's just part of the brain at this point. And, you know, I think I think luckily we're at a at a place where like, it, you know, maybe three years ago, an Alex Jones Instagram story might have like that have been a two week news cycle. It's like maybe half a day at this point. You know, it doesn't really get even like national coverage specifically with Kyrie. <laughs> yeah, specifically with Kyrie. Um, sure. yeah. And so it's just, you know, there is a certain extent to which it's part of the brand. Everyone kind of expects it. It's like um it's like getting offended at, at South Park or something. You know, you know that they're you know what they're about at this point. So um in in some in some way, yeah, there's always gonna be this looming specter of what happened last season. And I think for that reason we you know, and, and credit to management for for hedging their bets and like, you know, getting what they wanted out of this thing, which is this one year deal. So, you know, as far as huge major consequences go, like we've we've uh, restricted our risk in whatever way we possibly can. So, but the thing is, it's like how much you don't want to have like Kyrie demon on a leash, just like ready to fire off crazy vaccine tweets or whatever, whatever he wants to do. And like, that's obviously going to like be a perpetual conflict, but 
it's also awkward to have him be like, you're on your best behavior this season. Like that's, that's not a, a, a way you want to like treat your, your star talent and the, the brand ambassadors of your, of your, uh, of your company. So, um, anyways, that's a rambling answer, but that's all to say, I think you can generally probably take it down, but only like 40%. Got it. All right. Well, I, I am excited to, do you uh, agree with that? Or is that, is that bullshit? My, You're scared. You can. The, you were scared. You're shook. I think the only fear is if he does do the whole like I'm not going to play the like the first. Well, then week we knew. Of the then season. we know what we know. Like that was the thing. That's the whole reason for the one year contract. So like, good. He's he, not going to do it like in in an orderly fashion. He's going to not tell Steve Nash, <laughs> and then he's going to tweet something <laughs> out and say I am not playing the season. And then they'll be. And then Steve Nash will have to be trotted out in front of Alex Schiffer. And Alex would be like, "Hey, did you know about this?" And and Steve Nash would be like, "That was all. That was a hurtful question, Alex. I am hurt by your question because he won't know." Um, yeah, I'm a little concerned. <laughs> You've already written the script. I that said wasn't this, your best material, yeah. Mike. I said this to Alex. Needed need oh. Jerome Powell reference there. Yeah, Jerome Powell. Uh, um, that I think if the Lakers had any other point guard of value besides Russell Westbrook, the Nets would have traded Kyrie for that point guard of value and those first round picks. If they could do it, the fact is that it's Russell Westbrook and you're trying to convince Kevin Durant to stay. They knew that as much as maybe KD feels some way about Kyrie, if he feels negatively or whatever, that Russ is like the, the absolute bare, like, KD does not want the Russ experience again. Hey, what a great show. Thank you all for listening. At BK Glue Guys on Twitter, Alex, you are like Alex underscore underscore Schiffer. Yes. Good job. Horrible. All the other stuff was taken. I know you got to pay the other Alex Schiffer. Wait, it's like an awful person, right? Like, isn't that the thing? Hasn't guy hasn't tweeted in like uh, 10 years. And he's not, is he responding to? No. Yeah, um, we'll, we'll shake some trees. We got we got to get this for you. This we got to we'll, get that. We'll shake yeah. that. I'm Elon hiring Musk a PI. Um, thank you all for listening. We'll be back in your ears. Maybe Monday after Media Day, we'll do something, Brian. We have a fun interview coming up the Wednesday after Media Day. Um, uh, we can we? I don't know the Chris Thompson, drummer of Vampire <laughs> Weekend, Mike, Mike's favorite drummer. super fan. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he's coming on Wednesday to talk Nets, and then I'm going to badger him about comparing Kyrie to Eric Clapton because they're both anti-vaxxers. Lots, lots to look forward to. Um, thank you all for listening. Alex, thank you for being here. Always a great pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, you said that smiling through like tears. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Bye. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.